happening in our world. And uh, how many of you are ready for Jesus to come? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? And maybe he'll come, come tonight. I told Joe Steck, go get your trumpet and just start blowing it. And maybe that'll be the last trump. And so, but he doesn't have a trumpet. So um, <clears throat> it's good to see the Keatons are here. They are leaving to go back to Papua New Guinea. They came off the field early uh, because of COVID. Um, none of them were sick and there was not necessarily an outbreak there at the time in that country, but because of the, um, uh, just the hospitalization care, uh, would not be very good if, uh, there was an outbreak. He called me, um, wow. When was that back way back in April? Seemed like it was so long ago. We called and talked and, um, felt that that was the best thing for his family to do. And so they've been back and, um, they have, they do not want to waste any time getting back, uh, to Papua New Guinea. And so, which I'm, I'm excited about. Um, I'm glad God's called them there. We've talked a few times and God's called them there and they want to get back there to begin to minister. And so I'm really excited that they're going to get back. They have about a hundred different plane connections that they have to make. And there's still a lot of hoops that they have to run, uh, get through, um, I told them uh, we're going to treat him tonight like a newborn baby that comes in the church. Look, but don't touch um, during sick season because they have to be very, very healthy uh, to get back into the country. So if they get all the way there and then test positive, they're, they got to come all the way home. Or I'm not sure what they do with them, but um, they don't want to find out. And so they leave Sunday morning out of Detroit. So they start their long uh, haul back to Papua New Guinea on Sunday. And so uh, I want to pray for them tonight as well. And, um, and then if you would just uh, go by um, on after the service and just let them know you're praying for them and their family. And so I'm glad they came back uh, tonight so we could spend some time together. All right. So uh, how many of you would pray, commit to praying for this family? When do you, you leave Sunday? When do you get, when do you actually get into country? Wednesday. So they'll be traveling a long time. Um, so we were praying for them. So there's a lot to pray for. They are one of the families. We have the Christmas, uh, our annual Christmas offering uh, booklet is all finished and that'll be available. I believe it'll be available this week. We wanted to give it out last week, but at the same time, we're raising um, funds for our uh, Thanksgiving dinner that we want to provide. And I want to thank our church a lot. Um, have people have responded to that where we really need your help, um, is, um, if you can financially give, that's great. Maybe you can't financially give, but we need you to give us names of people. And so we've had several call in, uh, we are going to help. We helped 30 families. If you remember in the beginning when this happened and the schools closed down, we wanted to help students that were only getting food from schools. And um, that was one of, the, one of the tragedies that happened. Those that were going to get uh, food uh, weren't going to go to school anymore. So some of them were not getting um, good, healthy meals. And so we were able to, you were able to uh, take 30 families and every single week we delivered uh, groceries, uh, enough for a week of groceries of lunches to these families. And so we've got a good re reputation with them now. We've given them the gospel had good feedback, uh, talked to grandparents of some of these kids. And uh, it's just, it gave us an opportunity to talk to a couple uh, counselors from schools that just called and thanked us. 
for being able to help these families. And so if you would um, uh, pray, we're going to have though we're going to add those 30 families to this list. Uh, but we still need 70 more families uh, that uh, we want to help with. And so uh, I know those names will come in and they are starting to, but if you know someone, don't, please don't be shy. We want you to give us their name. We know there's that many, at least that many hurting families uh, right now. And so that would just be a great blessing to them. So we, weren't, we didn't uh, advertise starting our Christmas offering. Uh, we'll do that this upcoming week. And um, the Keatons are a family in that, that we want to be a blessing to and a help and uh, them and several other missionary families. So that booklet will come out. And so you pray. And uh, can you believe we are all the already into November? I mean, this just one one very very different year. And uh, how many of you have had a normal 2020? Anybody in here? I didn't think so. Yeah, it's been different. And so we're going to do this tonight. Um, and we'll we'll still get out of here right on time. Um, I'll be out of here about eight o'clock. I want to I want to pray though. And um, prayer is so vitally important. And sometimes we neglect that and, and uh, just kind of go through all the motions and live an anxious life at times and live a stress-filled life. And we forget that we, there's prayer. And we're going to talk about that tonight uh, and mention that, that, that uh, God hears our prayers. And so I want to ask you to do this. If I could have a couple people that would be willing to, to pray. Do we have an extra microphone? Okay. We, if we have an extra one or two so they don't have to share it, that would be good. Um, would anybody be willing to do that? I'm putting somebody on the spot. Anybody be willing to come and pray? Would you come? If you, if you do that, just come sit right up here. We'll get you a mic. Anybody else like that? You'd just be willing to come. Just pray for our country tonight. Pray for peace. Pray for those that are affected with COVID. Uh, pray for Scott and Natalia that are getting married. And uh, why don't you guys stand and let me embarrass you. When is that? That's next week, isn't it? Next week. They're getting married, yes. So you, you pray for them. Um, anybody else? Somebody? We've got one. I'd like to we can get a couple more that would come pray. Anybody? Joe, are you coming? Rob, were you, were you moving? I thought you were. There you go. <laughs> These are two of our deacons, Joe Steck, Rob Graham, and uh, appreciate their leadership. We've met several times over the last several months and uh, appreciate all their leadership and counsel. Let's do this, guys. We're, gonna, um, we're just going to pray just here at our seats here, maybe uh, just, just to ourselves. Maybe you've had such a hectic day and you've just not spent some time with the Lord today. Uh, so let's just give it a few moments. Uh, if you just want to pray, and then after a few minutes of us praying, just there at our seats, then we'll have these three guys pray, and we'll get right into our Bible study, okay? All right. Jonah chapter... Let's go to Jonah chapter 1. I just want to look at the last verse to start with, and that'll set the stage for the entire chapter. So I'll read verse 17, and uh, then we'll read just a short chapter. Jonah chapter 2 is just 10 verses, and um, I want to dissect these few verses here tonight. <clears throat> Let's begin reading in verse 17. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, 
And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all by thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward the holy temple. The waters can pass me about, even to the soul. And the depth closed round about me, and the weeds were wrapped about my head. I, I want you to see something here in that verse, just the despair that Jonah found himself in. He, um, he's, he's in this whale's belly, this great fish's belly, and um, he says the waters about him, and even to the soul. This is, a, this is something we'll see here in this passage of Scripture. Jonah didn't think that he was going to be delivered. This was the end. Not too many stories you would find of someone. How many of you have ever heard, not Pinocchio, but someone else that's ever been in a whale's belly or a great fish's belly and they escaped? It's, it's, not, a, it's not a normal story that you would ever meet someone that was in that situation. Jonah's in a place where he is, this is it. I believe what he's praying for here is just mercy. He's crying out the Lord, the situation I'm in, it's, it's troublesome, troublesome deep to his soul. So spiritually, he, it's, it's troubling. Physically, he says, the depth uh, closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. Physically, he's exhausted. It goes on in verse number six. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains and the earth with her bars was about me forever. And that verse there shows me as we're studying this, he says, this is forever. This is where Jonah's thinking this is the end. He's found himself in a situation where there's no way out. This is, this is it. And he says this, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, when he was hopeless and there was no, no hope for this situation, there was no way out. Jonah's praying and he says, within me I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came unto thee into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanity, vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that thou, I have vowed, salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. I began this series, um, it's been several weeks now, and if you weren't there. Um, are these recorded, Nate? Where is he at? Did he leave? I believe we can get the, the first session of this. And I, if you, you missed it, I'd like for you to do that because we're going to study, we began a study about just the character of God, who God is. When we look at the story of Jonah, it's called Jonah. The book of the Bible is called Jonah. Jonah's the key character or person in this book, but that's not who this book is about. 
the book of Jonah, although it's a very short book and this chapter, once we get through this chapter, we're halfway through. There's only four chapters, this short chapter. It reveals something about God. If we wanted to look at just Jonah, we would say this, Jonah's a backslidden Christian. God's called him to do something and Jonah is refusing to do it. And he finds himself now paying the price for running from God. If you look at just the story of Jonah, it would be a helpless story. But in this book, we're going to look at who God is. We saw the first week that we studied here that, that uh, God is long-suffering. And again, just, just uh, not to take a whole lot of time, what we would find is this, that God is, sees, sees Nineveh, and the Bible says this in the first chapter, that Nineveh, the wickedness that Nineveh is doing is, is before God now, and God's going to do something about it. And God's going to judge uh, uh, Nineveh, but he's going to give Nineveh an opportunity to repent. And so he calls Jonah to go preach repentance to Nineveh. And God's plan and God's desire would be for Nineveh to repent so that judgment wouldn't have to come. And so Nineveh is sinning. Nineveh is wicked. It's coming uh, before the Lord. And the Lord doesn't just strike out and say, that's it, Nineveh, you're done. He's long-suffering. Aren't you glad that God is long-suffering? The first time that you sinned, God didn't kill you and say, you're done. Here, we also find this character of God in long-suffering. Jonah himself, (coughs) instead of running to Nineveh in preaching repentance and in giving them the the message that God desires them to, to hear, Jonah goes opposite direction. But God is not just going to take Jonah out of the picture now because he's long-suffering. His desire for Nineveh to, was to repent and turn to God. His desire for Jonah is to repent and continue to do what God has called him to do. <clears throat> so we see that he's long-suffering. This evening, I want to look at a different character of God and what God's doing here in chapter number two. God is... being long-suffering. And let let me say this, just just before I get into chapter two, God being long-suffering, that being his character, isn't an excuse for us to sin. Well, God's going to just forgive. So Paul speaks about that. Shall we continue in sin? He says, God forbid. It just, it shows God's mercy when we do displease him, when we do sin. God is, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we see who God is. We, we, we read of that, and now we're seeing God live and have the character of what he says he is. Now, this evening, I want to look at something, a, a second thing here about God. And that is this, that God restores. He restores the broken. Now, don't, don't miss this, please. I, I want to I help us this evening. God restores the broken. I've talked to so many people that believe this, that they've done something or have lived a certain life and now they're not usable at all of God. And so they're gonna just, they love the Lord, but they don't don't believe that God can use them anymore. They don't believe that God uh, has a plan because they've messed that up. And 
I want you to see throughout the Bible, specifically here in this, this book, that God restores the broken. He makes things new. Have you ever seen just an old piece of furniture that's been beat up and moved a hundred times and someone takes it and restores that and it almost looks more beautiful now that it's been restored than it did when it was original? My, my wife likes to take furniture. I'll look at it and I'll be like, that, what, you brought that home? You wanted that? What was the purpose of that? She'll paint it. She'll do some things to it, put some fabric on it. And it becomes a nice piece of furniture. It's restoration. It's taking something that maybe has been broken and fixing it. John, you've probably done it with a few pieces of furniture, haven't you? Something that somebody says there's no use to this. John works wonderfully with wood and he's been given, I'm sure, things that somebody else thinks is trash. God can take something that's broken and he restores this. And I want you to think this about this this evening. Now, let's go back to verse number 17 and we'll, get, we'll dig deep into this. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Think about what I just read. The Lord prepared a great fish. Now, the Bible there doesn't tell that he's, the Lord spoke to the fish, but the end of this cha- uh, chapter number two, the Bible says that God spoke to this fish. We can assume then that God spoke to that fish that first time as he prepared it and said, Mr. Fish, I need, not, not fish, but you know what I mean. Mr. Great Fish, I need you to get to this location because there's a job that I have for you to do. And the job was to, to swallow Jonah and keep Jonah inside of this fish so that God can restore Jonah back to what he's called Jonah to do. His intent on this was not for Jonah to die. The intent of this was not for Jonah, all right, you run from me, and now you're going to pay the price, and whatever consequences come, they come. No, God is putting together a plan. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Noah. The story goes like this, and all of you, I'm sure, know the story. He's, he's now running from God. There's a great storm that comes, and they're in the Mediterranean, and in the Mediterranean Sea is a large sea. It's not like, uh, well, I can see land from there. I can just get to that. I mean, you get out into this. Great storms come. There's no place to hide. There's no place to go. He's out in the middle of this, this uh, great storm in this sea, and the plan is once once we figure out who he is and what he's done and all the problems, the conversation back and forth between these, these uh, captains of this ship, Jonah says this, you've got to throw me overboard. And they said, we can't do that. And so what they do is they row harder and they throw uh, some of their belongings overboard and they realize that's not helping. And so they said, all right, Jonah, your idea works. They take Jonah, they throw him overboard. But don't forget this, God is a God that restores the broken. Jonah, if he would have been thrown overboard and God had not prepared that great fish, Jonah would have drowned and been dead. And it would have been Jonah's fault because Jonah's the one running from God. Jonah put himself in this situation apart from where God wanted him to be. God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he said, no, I'm I'm going the opposite way. 
But because God is long-suffering, because God restores the broken, when we sin, when we displease the Lord, he, he has this fish that he has prepared. And so the exact location in this great sea that Jonah is thrown overboard, before Jonah can swallow enough water to drown, there's a fish right there at that exact location to swallow him up and to allow Jonah for three days and three nights to survive. I want you to write this down, please, someplace. His plan to restore may not seem like he's even involved. I mean, let me ask you this question. Do you think that Jonah, when he saw the whale, or when he was, uh, I say whale, the Bible says great fish. If I, if I offend you by saying whale, I'm sorry. I don't even know if there's whales in the Mediterranean, but there was a fish large enough to swallow this man. If do you think that when Jonah was thrown overboard, he was thinking, all right, God, I can't wait till you send a fish to come save me. Do you think when Jonah was swallowed by that fish, he said, oh, I'm so glad that God sent this fish to save me so that I can be delivered. That's not what we read here of Jonah's prayer in what he's saying in this prayer to God. Jonah thinks he's a dead man. I'm sure he would be like we would be if we were in the middle of this sea and it was a great storm and, and a fish swallowed us. I'm sure he would, was thinking the same thing you and I would be thinking and that we're dead. We're fish food. We're going to become fish bait and we're gone. I'm sure Jonah has never heard of a man that was swallowed by a great fish and survived, just like we haven't heard. And so Jonah is in this place that it seems like God is not involved. I messed up, I failed, and God is not involved. Where I'm at is my fault. I'm paying the consequences, I'm paying the price. It may be seemingly here for Jonah, it may be for your life at some point, and maybe even this evening, you may seem like you're in a hopeless situation and it's out of control, but I want you to know something about this. Verse number 17 says this, now the Lord hath prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah was in the, the most hopeless, most most. A difficult situation he has ever found himself in. And it may seem like this is out of control. God's not involved. He's nowhere to be found. I'm dead. I'm swallowed by this fish. But I want us to remember something here. When it seemed like Jonah was out of control, God was in full control. That's important for us to really understand. Because this will help us with panic and anxiety and, and distress when we come to a place where we feel like that, uh, that there's no place else to go and it's hopeless. God has a plan to restore Jonah. And when Jonah is out of control, God is in full control. Jonah is swallowed by a, this great fish because that was God's plan to restore him. Jonah thinks he's going to die. We, we've already read it. He says that this has affected me in my soul. This has affected me emotionally, physically. I'm, I'm drowning. I've got this seaweed all about me. There's no way out of this. But you understand, 
Jonah was exactly where God needed him to be at that moment while God was dealing with him. Jonah is swallowed by a great fish and for three days and three nights, he's in the belly of this fish thinking, I'm sure every moment this is going to be my last moment. I can't survive in this fish forever. I ask you this question. How much, how, how, how much more hopeless and far from God could you be? <laughs> Just think about that. I mean, he's, he's, he's in this belly of the fish. He talks about going down to the deep. He calls it the belly of hell. How hopeless. How far from God could you have ever seemed to be? Is That's where Jonah is at. But don't forget verse 17. But the Lord prepared a great fish. He wasn't going to leave him there. See, it was all in God's plan of restoration, to restore him. God was in full control. Now let's look at chapter number two. Knowing that Jonah is in this belly because the Lord prepared it, knowing that God is dealing with Jonah, knowing that Jonah feels that he is going to die and this is going to be forever, God is doing something in Jonah's life so that Jonah would call back unto the Lord and God could use Jonah once again. For what? To go to Nineveh because there's a city that needed to hear the truth. I want you to write this down in your heart someplace too. In restoration, God hears us when we cry out or when we pray. This is where prayer is so vitally important. There was no human being, there is not a single resource, there's no one that can help Jonah. The captains of the ship that threw him overboard, they can't help him any longer. What, what was, what was uh, uh, Pinocchio's dad, Giuseppe? Was, what was his name? He couldn't help him. Geppetto, is that his name? There's no, there's no one showing up with a light trying to help Jonah get out. There's no human being. There's no resource. There's nothing anyone could do But in this restoration that God is desiring for Jonah, he hears him when he cries out. Look with me in verse number number two, verse number one of chapter two. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And what's the Bible say? There's those next few words. And he heard me. When Jonah was at his lowest place, knowing it was his fault that he was there, it was because of the decisions that he's made. He's at a place where he knows there's no calling anyone that can get me out of this. He does realize this, and this is where God wanted Jonah to get to. He cries to the Lord. Out of the belly. Look at verse number two here. He says, by, by, by reason of mine affliction on the Lord, and he heard me. And that wasn't enough for Jonah. Jonah says this, he repeats himself, but he gives it a little bit more of a description of where he's at. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. 
Jonah, in the same verse, he says the same thing, but he, it's like he's saying it the second time. Do you realize where I'm at? The belly of hell. And I cried, and he heard me. Listen, the, the, the thing I want you to understand, and maybe you can help someone. You say, well, I'm not at that place. I'm not at a place of hopelessness, and I'm not at this place of despair. Maybe God will bring someone across your path that is. And you know what you've got to help them understand? That God does hear them. You're never too far gone for God. I've talked to people, I've shared the gospel with some that said this, I, I've, I've sinned so much, there's no way that God could save me. And, 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 and what a wonderful story to say, no, the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than any sin that you could ever commit. It doesn't matter how many sins you've committed, it doesn't matter how bad the sin is, the blood of Jesus Christ washes away every sin. It's power, I love singing that song, there's power in the blood, why? Because that's the only hope for mankind. And once you are saved, God is there, he can listen, he can forgive. That verse I just said in the beginning, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of what? All unrighteousness. That's important for us to see because so often people get to a place that is so low, they don't even think that God can help them. And Jonah is repeating it here in verse number two. He says, I, 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 I heard, he heard me. I, I, I called unto him, he heard me. Oh, oh, did I tell you, out of the belly of the whale, the, the, the place, the deepest, darkest, most faraway place from God is where I was. And I will remind you, he heard me. We pray for things and Sometimes I'm afraid that, that uh, we think things are so far gone that we don't go to God realizing that God can do something. Listen, our country's not so far gone that God can't do something. Your home isn't so far gone. Your marriage isn't so far gone. Your children aren't so far gone. Your work and the relationships you have or maybe a relationship with a family member that, that is, is just seems broken or maybe you just feel I'm far from God. I want you to understand something. He can heal it. He can fix it. And when you call on him, it doesn't matter how much in despair you are, he hears you. I want to ask you this, parents, how many, or husbands, probably more husbands than parents, your wife is, is, uh, uh, is my wife in here? Oh, she is. I don't want to tell her myself. I was watching some election results here this evening. My wife called down to the basement and I will have to confess. She, she says, Jer, Jeremy, Jeremiah. My name is not even Jeremiah. That's when I know she's upset. She makes up a name, Jeremiah, on me. She calls in. I didn't answer her the first time. The news commentator at that moment was what I wanted to hear. I was tuned in. I was listening. I heard it, but guess what? I didn't answer it. I want to ask you, I was going to say, how many of you guys have ever done that? Guilty, every one of you, I'm sure. I heard her. You know what I figured? If it was important, she'll say my name again. Now, I'm not giving you any marriage advice right now. That's not what this is about. This is the opposite. This is what not to do. My kids will do the same thing. I'll call upstairs. They hear me because they, they stop talking. 
but they don't answer right away. When somebody's upset, when you're upset with someone and they want to talk to you and they call your name and you're upset with them, you know what you do? You, you just ignore them, act like you don't hear them. Do you realize that's not what God did? You know why? Because God desires to restore. God didn't have Jonah in the belly of that whale saying, ha, I got you where I want you. I'm going to punish you. Eat seaweed. I hope that you come to a place where you think you're going to die. He has Jonah in the belly of the whale. You know what he desires from Jonah? So Jonah cries out. And when he cries out, you know what God does? He answers him. It was immediate. Why? Because God restores. He takes that which is broken and he makes it new. God isn't trying to just punish just because you did something against me and I'll show you that I'm God. God doesn't have to show us he's God. He's powerful. He's God. What God shows us by he's God, by him restoring him, answering our prayer. Here, Jonah is in the belly of hell, he says. He cries out. The situation could not get any worse. The belly of hell. At times, God brings us to the lowest place. Remember this, if you would, please. At times, God brings us to the lowest place so that we turn to him and he can restore us. Verse number four, look with me, if you would, please. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Would you mark that down? Would you mark that I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple? His thinking isn't correct there. Now, the situation may appear that he's cast out, but don't, don't, don't forget verse number 17. This is all part of God's plan. God knows exactly where he's at. When Jonah cries out, God answers him. He thinks I'm out of God's sight. What Jonah thought was beyond God's reach and beyond God's sight was all about God's restoration for Jonah. He thinks he's too far gone. He thinks he's at a place, in this place, I'm at the, in the belly of this, this great fish, in the bottom of this great sea, far below the surface, and I'm never going to get out of this. This is an impossible situation. And you know what Jonah realized? God knew exactly where he was. When you get to the place of despair and you get to the place of hopelessness and you're, you're helping someone with that, you've got to ha- uh, realize this and you've got to help others realize this. You're never too far gone for God. You're never at a place that God can't save you. You're never at a place that God can't restore you. This is the character of who God is. In watching God deal with others, We need to let God be God. Sometimes when we see others at a place where God is dealing with them for the hope of restoration, we don't like, we don't like to see other people hurting, but sometimes, you know what we need to do? Let God be God. In your despair, teach him to turn to God. In their hopeless situation, when God is dealing with them, we, we need to point people to Christ and we need to realize God is there. God is, he is not too far for God. God sees him where he's at. I want you to go with verse number five and six with me here. The waters compa- compass me about, even to the soul, the, the depth 
closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. This is the situation he finds me in, just total distressed, totally overwhelmed. Have you ever been there? There's no way out of this. Emotionally, I'm hurting. Spiritually, I'm hurting. And physically, I can't take anymore. I went down to the bottom of the mountains. The, the earth with her bars was about me forever. Total hopelessness. Would you write this down, please? God has to take you as deep as he has to for you to desire restoration. You see, just simply putting Jonah out on the sea in that boat with those waves crashing against the boat wasn't deep enough for Jonah. You know, you know, if it would have been, Jonah would have got down there and on that boat said, God, I've run from you. You're dealing with me. I'm sorry. I'm turning back to you, just like he did in this prayer. But God had to bring Jonah deeper down. You know what God will do? He will bring you as deep as he has to to get you to the place where you seek restoration. That verse, and I didn't look it up, but I comes to my mind that God chastens his children. If you're a child of God, he's going to chasten you. He's going to discipline you. But so often when we think of that word discipline, because man has perverted that word and abused that word, God is a, a holy, righteous God. Discipline to him is just simply bringing you to the place as far as he needs to bring you to, not to give you a pound of flesh, not to take that from you, not to, not to, to humiliate you and, 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 and uh, uh, get you to the place where, where uh, um, you're just belittled. No, God brings you as deep as he has to so that you come to the place where you realize he wants to restore you. And he's the only one to turn to. Do you realize this? In this, in this study here with Jonah, Jonah is hopeless. He's thinking it's forever. It's, it's affecting his soul. Physically, he's tired and seaweed's all around him. And he feel like at any moment he's going to drown and he's going to die. And this is it. And God was doing a work in his life to get Jonah to turn back to him. Do you, do you think that if God would do this to Jonah, that God could still do this to us today? I'm not saying that, be careful, don't go out on Lake Erie. <laughs> I'm just simply saying there's many times in our life that God brings us to the place where we think it's hopeless. It's too far gone. I can't get myself out of this and there's no one else that can. And he does it because he's got to get you at the place where he can restore you, where he can use you, where you can see this is about God. And that's where Jonah finds himself. Isn't it ironic that it took Jonah running from God, a storm being thrown overboard in three days in this fish before he finally says, God, I'm here. And why does God do that? 
Because he hates Jonah? Why does God allow us at times to get to that breaking point that we feel is a breaking point? Because he's mad at us? Because he's just a mean God and all he does is punishes his children? No, because the best place you can be is in God's will. The place that Jonah needed to be was in Nineveh preaching the gospel, preaching repentance, preaching turn from your sin and turn to God. That's where Jonah needed to be. But God had to put Jonah in a place of total despair so that Jonah would see that the place I need to be is where God wants me to be, not where I want to be. You see, so often for Jonah, it could have been fear. It could have been, been I, um, I think he even says, I knew you were going to save him anyways. You know what? That's selfish, selfishness. Jonah is a backslidden prophet. Jonah is a selfish man. There's an entire city that, that, that the message that he could bring could save an entire city, and Jonah says, nope, I'm going to do what I want to do. God had to bring him to a place where Jonah realized it's only about God. I wonder, has God ever taken you to a place for the simple reason so that you say, you know what, God? I want to be restored. I want to be refreshed. I want to do your will. And I realize this, I need to put myself out of this and totally rely upon you. There's no too deep or too far from God to restore. Verse number 10, I'm going to be right on time here. And the Lord spake unto the fish, <laughs> that verse Hey, Mr. Fish, <laughs> uh, I'm all done. I, I mean, you think about that fish, how, how that fish felt. God brought that fish. He probably thought, Jonah's thinking, man, I'm in trouble. That fish probably thought, thank you, Lord. I just swallowed this big guy. Food for three days. <laughs> and then he says, oh, by the way, fish, I need you to get rid of this guy. What? I just ate him. No, that fish was more obedient than Jonah was. When God said to the fish, I need you to go to this location, guess where that fish went? Right to where he's supposed to be. When God said to the fish, he spoke to the fish, hey, I'm done with you now. Jonah, the one you swallowed, I'm done with you. You need to re return him. It's like the fish said, okay. Now there's something here that I want you to see. God's deliverance in this restoration. There's something here. As I was studying through this, I thought, don't miss this. The Lord spake unto this fish. He's still planning. He's still in control. Jonah's still where God wants him to be. Jonah's not too far gone. God can deliver him. He, he's in charge of that trial. The most difficult place you've ever found yourself in, the most hopeless place you've ever found yourself in, when everything seems like there's no way out, God is still in charge of that situation. He can tell a fish, I want you to get rid of him. 
God's deliverance is restoration here. In verse number 10, he speaks to this fish and it vomited out Jonah. Look where? In the sea where the fish found him. Is that what the Bible says? Back out in the ocean, far in the ocean, so that Jonah could swim to shore. Look at how God delivers when he seeks to restore the broken. He vomited out Jonah upon dry land. You say, what's the significance about that? He didn't make Jonah swim back to land. He brought Jonah right to the dry land. He didn't say to Jonah, all right, Jonah, I've saved you. And now just to you to get back to Nineveh, you're going to have to show me he put Jonah back in a better situation than when Jonah was at, running from God. You see, God doesn't desire to inflict more pain than what's needed for restoration. Don't miss that. Well, when I, when I got to this verse, and as I was just studying through and just praying about it, isn't that just like God? See, when someone hurts us, we got to make them pay before we totally forgive. You ever done that to someone? I'm sorry. Well, I'll think about forgiving you. I'm sorry. But we, we, we make them pay a little bit more. We're mean to them for a period of time, or we don't allow that relationship to be refreshed and renewed immediately. You know, we, we got we to gotta show them how bad they hurt us. You know what I'm talking about? You ever do that? in a relationship, that's not God. God's not looking to inflict more pain on Jonah. He just simply needed to get Jonah to a place where he wanted to be restored, desired to be restored, and turned to God. And God says, okay, Jonah. I thought about this. Isn't this the way it is with salvation? I'm a sinner. And so many people say, all right, I want to be saved, Lord. I'll take Jesus, but there's gotta be something I can do. And they think that it's, it's works on top of Jesus or it's baptism on top of Jesus or, or what can you do? And you know what the wonderful thing about salvation is? There's nothing you can do. Jesus Christ has done it all. He's done it all. And now that you're saved, there's nothing you can do for God to forgive. He's done it all. When you got saved, every sin you committed, past, present, and future, is where? It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. It's forgiven. You don't have to earn that or merit that. Now, now, all right, Lord, I've sinned. Well, you got to work that off. Oh, you've run from God. He places Jonah back on dry ground. He doesn't just keep punishing us. You know what I find with God's character here with Jonah? He disciplines Jonah enough and as long as was needed to get him back to the place where he can be restored. I've never done this, but, you know, one of my kids get in trouble. They get maybe a spank or something. They get sent up to the room and a little while later, you know what? I don't think they got it bad enough. I'm going to spank him one more time for it. Come back down. We're going to do this again. God doesn't just keep pouring it on to Jonah here. 
You know what he does? You've turned to me, Jonah. I'm going to restore you. I'm not going to hold on to this. Now there's time work to do. I'm not going to just keep punishing you because I need you to get to Nineveh. Because there's people in Nineveh that need to hear to repent because their wickedness is so great. And if they don't repent, I have to judge them because I am long suffering, but only for a period of time where if they continue, they have to be judged. You know what I see in this? The importance of our life live for God. We need to get busy serving God. When the Keatons told me they were going to be heading back, I, I might've said this to Mark, but if I didn't say it, I thought it, Mark. <laughs> Good. That's where God's called you. You got to get there. Well, look, look, look at all the situation and all this. You got to, the best, the, the best place you can be, the safest place you can be is where God's called you to do. It's already proven running and being on the Mediterranean and, and, and running from God wasn't the safest place. It brought despair and it brought distress. The safest place for Jonah to be is in the middle of Nineveh, a wicked city preaching repentance. And that's the place that God wants us to be, following his will. How many of you remember, most of you here, there's no one old here, but most people have a few years on them. How many of you remember things in your childhood or so, someone was, someone was just telling me about two, the year 2000. They were talking about that just recently. And that's 20 years ago now, 20 years ago. It just seems like yesterday, two, you know, two, 2000. There's things I remember growing up. It seems like it was yesterday. I remind Michelle, she's getting old. Huh. Life is short. We, we don't need to live our life what we want and doing what we want. God has something specific for you that he wants you to do for him. And the best place we can be is there. And when we're not, guess what you can expect God to do? deal with you to get you back there. Sometimes I think sometimes when God's dealing with us, instead of what Jonah here, just going back to God, God, uh, I'm wrong. We fight and we complain and we get critical about the situation we find ourselves in. And sometimes all we just need to simply do is cry out to God, God, I'm sorry. We can't live our lives wasting our time filling our flesh and being a, living a selfish, selfish life. As a child of God, God has a plan. And in, 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 in listen to me, for everyone here, for every single person here, it involves the gospel. I had someone say to me one time, they said, well, you know, some people have the gift of evangelism, so they're the ones that are supposed to give the gospel. And I said that, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Every living creature is not just given to those with the gift of evangelism. It's given to the believer. That's all of our responsibility. You know what God wants us to be involved in? Teaching and preaching repentance. 
the gospel, turning the people God puts in your life. It's not just so that you can enjoy it, although that's a benefit of, of family and friends. And He puts them there so that you can preach repentance. Our lives lived here on this earth is not just so that we can eat, be merry, be happy, gain, have everything that we want in life, live for our dreams. When God saved you, he saved you because there's a Nineveh that needs to hear repentance. And the best place that we can be is there. When God called my family to, to, to Monclova, you know what I've I, I understand? Because there's a Nineveh. There's people that need to hear the gospel. When I was, when I was in the hospital with COVID, there was just one guy that would come in. Four, he, he was like the four o'clock in the morning nurse. And I don't even know how he doesn't have COVID. I mean, he came in, his mask is like below his nose. It's crooked. His, his, his gown that everyone has else has their, their tied. And I mean, it's like, he just put his hand in his gown. So his gown was on here. And then the rest of it was just in front of him. You know, I mean, there was nothing covering him. He'd wake, he'd wake me up at four in the morning and he'd say, Hey, I saw a movie tonight before I came on. And he want to tell me this movie. He did it to me two or three times while I was in the hospital. Hey, uh, I saw a Burt Reynolds movie. Have you ever seen this one? Another one, another one. Hey, I saw this Tom Hanks movie. Have you ever seen that one? I was like, it's four in the morning. Just take my blood. Get out. <laughs> you know what I was reminded? God put somebody in my life at four in the morning. He wants to talk about movies. You know what God wants me to talk about? Jesus. So you know what I got the second night when he was telling me, I think that was the Tom Hanks movie night he was starting to tell me about. I said, that's an awesome, I'll have to check that out. Have you ever heard about Jesus? I never saw someone take blood so quick and want to get out of there in all my life. When I'm laying there, and I honestly, I thought, Lord, why? I wear a mask, I try to be healthy, why? All the opportunity I had people I would never have met that I live in the same area. I've never seen any of those people in my life. But God put me right there. You know why I believe? Share the gospel. Because there's a Nineveh that needs to be reached. In my life, my life is the safest place I can be is doing what God has called us to do and you to do and me to do. And you know what I believe? Sometimes we face trials and we face difficulties and we face things. And it isn't God punishing you or trying to destroy you. It's God getting Jonah back on track so that you do what I want you to do. You know why? Because God is a God of restoration. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just leave you to run? Leave you as broken? Leave you as useless? Ah, you made the decision. Good for you. Live with it. God says, okay, you made that decision. Now I want to get you back on dry land because Nineveh's got to be reached. God is long-suffering. 
And God is a God that restores the broken. Father, help us, I pray, that we would take this message and that we would, Lord, maybe there's someone in this room that feels broken. They feel like they're away from you. They've made decisions and maybe this message is, is for them. If it is, Lord, I pray they would do what Jonah did. They'd cry out. You'd restore them, even, even now. May they find rest and peace in you. May they find deliverance as you restore them. Lord, maybe it's someone that we're going to come in contact with. It's a conversation that we'll have with a family member. Maybe it's a conversation there's someone at work. And they need to know that, God, you restore. That you love them. That you show mercy by restoring us. You show us grace. We don't deserve it. Jonah, the last place he deserved to be was dry land. That's where you chose to put him. Because you're merciful. You restore. And maybe that's a message that we need to give to someone this week. And so, Lord, put the people in in our path that we can point to you. And when we get to this place of hopelessness and despair, may we remember this, that Jonah turned to you and he prayed and you delivered him. So, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this small book and the truth of it. And we pray that you'd bless Keaton's, Isaiah making final preparations over the next few days. Give them safety. Lord, put them right where you want them to be in a foreign land so that you can use them to accomplish your will. So the message of redemption, the message of repentance can be given to a people that need it. And as they go there, Lord, may we accomplish that here where you have us, here in Toledo. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you make sure you go by and at least let the Keatons know that you're praying for them and that you um, will remember them at least. They'll keep their sanity over the next uh, week or so. Amen. All right. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful evening. Because he lives.